Welcome to Tavern Talk. Welcome to a Tavern Talk on world creation from four very experienced and very hardcore DMs who care a lot about this type of thing. I'm Ben here with... Sam. Reed. And Matt. You might know us from the Pathless Podcast, which you're listening to right now, on which Sam DMs Pumpkin Spice, Ben DMs Lightlessness, and then uh, Matt and Reed have actually DMed games outside of the podcast. So they will be bringing input from those games and how they made those worlds, uh, where Sam and I will mainly be talking about Pumpkin Spice and Lightlessness, to keep things in perspective. So uh, first order of business is... uh, Let's talk about how everyone goes about building a world, whether or not they build a world or they build a city and then build out from that, so on and so forth. Um, I personally did no world building ever until Lightlessness. <coughs> I always just said, your characters are here, let's see where you go, and then added it in, but I never actually drew the maps up, so there was no cohesive world for the players to play in, but it didn't really matter from what I remember. <laughs> it was just like, oh yeah, let's go back to that place. <laughs> I, I remember that place, let's go there. Uh, what about you, Sam? Uh, yeah, this is kind of my first step into world building with pumpkin spice um which i kind of stole some of that i mean i was inspired from that (laughs) and um just for the geography and i was making it easier um but it's still it's all that i put more details into i think because again the party wasn't a part of the country gotta read we'll just keep the circle gotcha um yeah for me generally i'll when I'm designing a world, I'll start with kind of a general idea. Like, I'll think about some kind of event or some kind of, I want to say, institution or something like that, and then build the world around that concept and kind of branch off and try to fill in as much diversity as I can as I expand outwards. But I generally, you know, get the world built before the players start, you know, investigating. Uh, I do something similar to what Reed does, I guess. Uh, I didn't even realize that's how Reed did it. Um, I mean, with you guys, I just kind of had an idea of what I wanted to happen. Remember that, uh, 10th level, like, ninja fight we did? Yeah. Um, but then, like, with the other group, I said I wanted this to be the trigger event, and I kind of built it off of there. Um, the world building for that is one of the guys want to be a Pokemon trainer, basically, so I had... Kanto and all that, like, you know, down in the other area. Oh, so you actually just, like, Pokemon areas? Well, I, I basically said, like, yeah, your country is a bunch of savage people who, like, train animals to fight <laughs> each other. And, like, that's, like, that's how everyone's going to view you. And he's like, that's cool. Like, but realistically, that's what Pokemon is. It's, like, mm-hmm. it's having animals Pocket fight monsters. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, with that, I, like, like you said, I had two areas I really wanted them to, like, focus on, like, where to start. And then once I started, like, once they went to the second area, I was like, where do they go to now? And then it's like, well, here's four other things that correlate to this, like this one particular area, and here's a capital city, and then kind of like you float things in between. So world map-wise, you did not have a world map? I didn't have a world map until probably maybe like the fourth or fifth session, so right. after like about mm-hmm. six, seven hours of playing, because I wasn't sure where we are going to get that far, where their story was going to take them, and until about like, 12 hours in, I really didn't have an end game in mind. Cool. What about, uh, so Sam, you, you built your world map off of um, an 8-bit version? or Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so pretty much from there, and that's from there I added some things and sprinkled things around to make it more d d like How did you come up with your map, <laughs> Reed? Um, or did you not build a map? You just kind of No, no, it. I actually honestly, the maps are kind of the second thing after the idea, like there's the idea and then there's the map 
and then there's the filling in of okay this you know map looks like this therefore these things are probably such yeah you know based on in between the map and the general idea of what i want to have in there so yeah. I'm a Picasso campaign creator because I just sat there doodling till I saw something I like the shape of. <laughs> gotcha. And I was like, this is my map. And then I started going like, mm, let's put something here. And I just put dots. And then I decided, what is that dot? What's that dot? What's that dot? <laughs> and that's like literally how my map was formed. Nice. Like I added a thieves den because I needed some place to find Kane. And then I wanted it. I kind of tied that back to the one shot that we had. And then I was like, okay, well... He needs to be hidden somewhere, so where could that make sense? And then try to fit that in with what I had with the map so far. I think that's probably true across the board. I think yeah, like everyone's been talking about it, but you like you need purpose to make a place. <laughs> like you can't just mindlessly create like actual places. Um, on a more controversial idea, or, or something that might have a little bit more to talk about. Um, what about the idea of using this world that you've created for future campaigns, or just always starting from scratch? What is everyone's feelings on that? As I probably go into having more details, it's like if we want to include the characters more into the world, I probably have the same world and universe. But then if it's like a simple thing or it doesn't really matter as much, then I might, like if it's more of a, like a train style, like instead of open box, it'd probably just be a simple, you guys go here, you go here, it doesn't matter what world it's so, in. So as a new world, it doesn't really matter. Right. Okay, gotcha. So, in principle, in general, I don't like reusing IPs. Uh, so, like, for Copyright. example, I don't like, um, you know, long-running series and whatnot and, you know, stuff that just constantly gets shoved into the same universe. And for the most part, I follow that with D&D. It's just that occasionally I will take, you know, two continents and put them together from, you know, old campaigns or whatnot. And... Honestly, it's one of those things at night when I lay in bed having nightmares about D&D, &D, <laughs> you know, and say, why did I spend so much time making that giant world map for that one world that we had one session in, you know, <laughs> like, it makes me want to reuse some of my uh, right worlds that I already have built. But generally speaking, I will go into campaigns with a new map each time because I don't learn from my mistakes well. <laughs> <laughs> Um, for myself, I know the campaign that I wrote with the other uh, people. I had in mind, have any of you played Kingdom Hearts 2? No? Jeremy's not here, so. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. Um, but basically the first, like, two hours of the game, it's you're playing as somebody who, he has a story to the main character, but it's a completely separate story, so you're just kind of understanding, like, who this other person is. Riku? Not Riku. It's uh, his, it's his nobody. It's uh, I forget Roxas. I think I anyway. I forgot how that works. Everyone yeah, exists in the next exactly. It, it's okay. a little convoluted with yeah. that. But anyway, so for my story, I wanted this to be like an origins for them. It was this is like the this is the humans capital role like in the country. This is like your country, but I wanted it to basically be with Reed said like the event is the trigger. I wanted this to be the reason why the world has magic and the world has animals and creatures that are magical where before it was very much like the forge where it's like here's the here's the map lines are drawn lines are defined magic is very rare and um like there's a wizard school where that's where the majority of the people who are magical in the country are um i wanted this to be like a 
the vent, the pressure valve broke. Magic's all over the world now. You guys contained, like, you guys stopped the world from shattering from, like, the magic vent. But now magic's in the world, and this is your origin story for the rest of the world campaign. Basically, why is the world like this from <clears> now on? And they're new D&D players, so for them it might also be, like, oh, well, my hero's in this world, and this is why, like, here's the lore of where that history came from. It might help them later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, the question of reusing worlds, I guess, for me, would just be a matter of if there's something there to reuse. I think it's just, like, utilitarian. Right. It's pretty simple. But um, I think Matt, what he was just bringing up with that, the reason why my brain got sidetracked, is that, like, the... The catering to your players thing that comes up in D&D all the time just makes so much sense. And I almost think that it is just kind of crazy to use, like, these big worlds. I don't know. Well, Matt, you were saying that you knew a guy at your work one time who had, like, a tome built around his world that all the players had to read. Um, and, like, each D&D is for each player. That's fine, like, for everything. But I guess, like, maybe we're in times in our lives where the functionality of it all <laughs> comes into play more. And I'm, like, being leaned towards just, like, starting a campaign in a place and then seeing where it goes. Because there's just something very novel about that now that I think about it. So I don't I, th- I think I would, like, like if, if we were going to draw any conclusions from this timer talk, I'm actually arguing that you should convince everyone to try that method first. And then if it catches on, go ahead and build more to it. Like, oh, we're eight sessions in and everyone's loving and invested. Like, all right, maybe I should build more for them. But maybe just build out from where you are and not even build past that i don't know what are your thoughts on that can can anyone at least show me the perspective that says like a tome even if it's a small tome is worthwhile or and as as natural application like the amount of information in your backgrounds was that even able to be eaten or have we overwhelmed players with information well yeah i mean with that say say that our quest was to um or like we actually we actually needed to know weather pattern like i said this guy he he has his weather patterns down if we're if we know we're going to traverse into a an area that it's going to be monsoon season, we're going to gear up differently. We mm-hmm. understand there's going to be a different campaign. We might even build our characters to say, you know what, we know that this area does a lot of trade with um, people from like uh, whose people is Ignan, I guess. Yeah. Like that's like all the elemental or is that elemental? I think yeah. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. If we know that like we're going to be in an area that's going to like be speaking Ignan, we might cater our characters a little bit differently if we know that oh you know what um the town that we're all growing up in or like the town that we're kind of like community like meeting up is at the base of a mountain which we know at the top of the mountain is our goal we might dress differently so you're you're talking about all stuff that's currently what the players are doing not stuff that the players aren't doing because like couldn't i tell the players okay you guys are going to be traveling to this place a guy tells you it's monsoon season oh you're heading over there you watch out of those monsoons. Yeah, and then, well, like, I, I was kind of thinking along those lines, too. And then everything else is like, uh, okay, guys, before you start, I want you to know, like, this is the town you're living in. This is what's at the base of it. Um, you know, I like, don't know if if that warrants a tome or if that just well, warrants. And with our, like, you know, one-page backgrounds, at least I feel like Notch should know this or Notch, like, belongs and has that kind of history with it. And it, it feels a little bit more immersive, mm-hmm. which is nice. Right, we definitely flushed out a lot more Felicia with the, their two knowledge of just the background of the country, the history with all that. Like that, 
Like, guys, guys, stop. Okay, I get it. Well, no, I, did, no. I did it well. I understand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no tomes, just a yeah. reading of uh, 600 words, and you've got it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, I think the previous campaigns that I've been involved with you guys, it was kind of like, I'm not really sure exactly when we're thinking back on stuff and like, like rolling knowledge, history checks, and it's like, eh, for, like, for you guys, I can come in and be like, I'm from the outside, I really don't remember much, like, I don't know mm -hmm. much of that stuff. But these two know exactly what's going on. It's like their expertise in that field, and... I don't know how you guys feel about it, but for me, it makes it, it feels like, like you're the expert on this. I'm going to go to you. I play my character and I play myself too. And you guys tend to know which role plays in your character. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what the tome style does is it does provide consistency, which again was one of my arguments against reusing the world over and over again. <laughs> Because you can arrive at inconsistencies, especially because the players might go totally, as we like to say, rogue. <laughs> so, you know, um, with a fully developed world, that helps you, the DM, to prop that, prompt that question of, okay, you're going into monsoon season, rather than having to come up with that and like, huh, I'm going to send these guys somewhere. Uh, I guess it's monsoon season right. next, you know? You can justify the existence of the monsoons thanks to the stuff you've already have developed. Sure. So it seems more like a DM tool rather than mm -hmm. something the players really need to keep up with. I think so, it would be you have to be a much smarter DM than me though to keep track of all that stuff because <laughs> I can't keep track of like you know by small amount of notes. That's like, that's it's pretty intense. Well, I feel like if I had more time and you had like your like lore tab on like a wiki or something, mm -hmm. and I could spend time being like like going through that because like. I, Back in the day, I read like strategy guides and be like, "Oh, I read all like the little stupid, like <laughs> yeah. magic item descriptions." And oh, you stuff. Don't, you haven't done? What? You didn't read your diary at all. Yeah, I didn't do that today. Oops. Dear diary. <laughs> Last couple days. I I <laughs> recognize Trail and all the other Naor names nice. and stuff. So good. It's good. But so like having that and read if you always play in the future. And you can't mess up your history. <laughs> That's actually kind of true. <laughs> no, no, you're right about that. But you know, mm -hmm. um, if regardless, yeah, you um, still got it, the, 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 the other thing would yeah. be if you have multiple campaigns going on at the same time, though. Yeah, like what That's we do, right which now. is what we do, and yeah, yeah. Yep. and which is what my other group did. Oh, so are you saying if if we were playing two games in the same world? In the same time frame, or, or not it, even it could the same be in different frame, but... time frames, but yeah. okay, a, a, you know, just two concurrent campaigns where we don't know where the one ends. Right. Like if we leave one campaign open, let's say like we beat uh, Maylor, right? Yeah, and we're like, yeah, I feel like getting. Oh no, let's use Pumpkin Spice. Yeah, we beat Nartura, and we say, okay, we still wanted to get to level twenty, so yeah. we're gonna have to play some more, but we're going to take a break from this and do another campaign, well, because we still have that two level 20 up and around, mm -hmm. it kind of interferes with our ability to play a different campaign just as a... Right, because I'd have to I'd have to say, like, well, Nartor is defeated, and you guys are now building the world back, and there's this party of really strong heroes going around. Yeah. yeah. Um, the one thing, because I didn't touch on the backstory thing, is, and I believe we discussed this a little bit, is the one question of how much of our background knowledge we get a hook off of, you know? Mm -hmm. Because, like, uh, for example, before I met uh, Morva, 
I didn't know how important the whole entire Dragonborn thing would be, right? I wasn't sure if that was something worth investigating or if that's just a bit of lore that I, you know, may need eventually someday, maybe, you right. know? Right. Especially because, as you said, there's plenty of ways to go in your campaign. You know, you left it wide open and therefore certain bits of lore may not be relevant and therefore may or may not stick in our mind more, you know? Yeah, like, I totally abandoned Bubbles. Sorry, Bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> Just didn't go down there. That's fine. Well, it, I mean, we're, we're not going to uh, fault you for that. It's been pretty <laughs> hectic around here. We've had yeah, a lot of <laughs> It's not like, oh, you know what? I feel like reading today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, I uh, like keeping that short, unless you guys have anything else more to say on it. Um, any other world building stats, ideas? Um, the only other thing I'm doing right now is I just every once in a while I'll just like jot down notes for another world or this or for Pumpkin Spice World and then I'll just try to work it in eventually or something. Oh, so like fun D&D ideas. Yeah, like it'll just be like stupid little things or just like, oh, that looks cool. And then I'll just jot it down and then maybe eventually that'll go into a world eventually. All right. Well, I want to make this a two-parter. So we're going to pause here and we're going to come back with part two, which uh, I think should be about... Um, campaigns in the running time and player levels and characters and stuff because i have some prompts for that that's cool okay so uh <laughs> it's okay this part two is about how we choose to run our campaigns in length and what roles uh everyone plays in making this communal game that is dungeons and dragons which um you know it can be very easy to feel abused when you're a dm and you start a campaign and the players stop playing with you um or don't appreciate it because, uh, like, Reed brought that up in the world building, and Matt, your campaign's kind of taken a hiatus, right? You guys haven't been able to get back to it, or have you? No, we haven't played in, like, two months, and I have no plan on even getting back to everybody. Yeah, see, so, like, no interest. It, 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 it's kind of hard. It kind of, it's rough. So I'm glad that we have this group together, starting with the positive. Like, it's nice to have this group together. But um, I have, me and Sam actually together, have consolidated everyone's time with our two campaigns. Um, so, pacing-wise, I want to talk about that. Uh, I have a, a direct end game in mind, no matter what your character's levels are at for this. I always have. And I plan on just killing it when that time comes, because I want <laughs> a clear close and end. Um, what about you, Sam? How are you feeling with Pumpkin Spice? Uh, Pumpkin Spice, I think we decided that was kind of the long game one. Especially if Nartora is supposed to be this, like, world-destroying monster, then we should get up to maybe 20 just, okay. just to get the experience, too. Sure, sort of just, you know, dropping yeah. a basilisk on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, unless you guys can, like, do something else like that. So, um, Matt and Reed, your, your feelings on pacing, forever games, ending games, all that stuff. I mean, do you guys want to go to level 20? I don't... Yeah, are, are we talking about in, in a general or? question. I wouldn't... I, I don't want to target a campaign no, exactly. that's kind of generalized, yeah. too. Oh. Oh. Um, Is there interest... So I personally, um, back to, so it's basically the same principle as when I said, you know, I don't like reusing IPs and I like starting new ideas up. Mm -hmm. Similarly, I don't think that long running characters either A, make sense in a world or B, you know, are that enjoyable because there's going to come a point at which the character stops developing it's going to be hard to, you know, consistently develop a character and flesh that character out. There's going to just come a threshold where it's like things are happening to the character than the character being influenced by the things. You know, Superman, you know, after a point, after growing up in Spallville, let's say, you know, stops experiencing new things and really is just dealing with whatever comes his way, right? I think it's kind of like Gordon Black when he hit level two. 
<laughs> he got that rapid shot. It was just, a, yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's then how much do your characters really develop anyway, and then you have to hit them with like other story things. I would think because, like, I don't know. But but if I'm you know, if I have all these accolades and I've already established myself as this hero in this world, right? No. Not much more is going to happen to my hero that's going to drastically change him in such a way as the early accolades did, right? Okay. Matt, your thoughts? Um, as a person who writes a campaign, I personally like thinking, where's my end game? And then kind of developing, like, what's the... If my end game is a succubus, then I know the characters have to be around level 10 to finish it off. If, my char- if like, for me, I, um, with the other people, I wanted their end game to be around level 5. Um, it would have taken them from I'm just a I'm just Joe Blow off the street to like what Reed said to become a hero to the people. Maybe not necessarily be like kingdom rulers, but at least to the people within their kingdom, they would become those heroes. Um, Long running campaigns, like I really have a lot of fun with Pumpkin Spice, and I've been having a lot of fun um, with Lightlessness. So it's not like anything about that. Uh, but like for writing it, I don't know if I could personally write. A 20 level epic campaign um it's just very difficult and then also when people fall out then you're like you know i had this epic 20 level campaign going on and then all of a sudden like a party fell apart someone goes to japan uh you know someone gets engaged or married and like they fall out of the group and like our group was kind of based around that person it just kind of like there's a lot of wrenches to throw when it's that long i think having um i, I kind of in the same like room with Reed, like I like seeing things that are kind of like long, but a two season like show is perfect. I feel like the characters are well developed. There's a lot of like story to them, um, but then there's an end point where you're like, I'm settled with this. Whereas if it's like a 15, season <laughs> yeah, I know you're, saying. you're just like, okay. So I guess um, if I can sum that up for everyone here, there is something to be said about Pumpkin Spice going on forever because there is guilty pleasures. So, like, yeah, there's this 15-season watch call where everyone just, like, keeps going back to it because there's something about it that's novel, whether it's Gordon Black or Sam Stamming. And then, um, at the same time, though, I think the rest of us do agree, though, that, like, it gives a lot of purpose to have an end time and point and place. And without purpose, there, our characters have less purpose, I guess. <laughs> without purpose and gameplay, our characters have less purpose. Um, so I wanted to get on to how, how you create a campaign with purpose, then. Um... I made a joke to Reed once that I think he hated. I don't know if you remember this, Reed. But I said, I'm going to level per session from now on. <laughs> no matter what happens, you're going to level per session. Because I thought, for me as a DM, it's going to put a time clock on this. Like, this is all going to have to end somehow. Because you'll write a campaign as a DM, and you'll think to yourself, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll get through all that tonight. We'll get through all that tonight. Never, ever happens for any DM. It, they, they never get through it. So your 20-week campaign turns into a 60-week campaign because of that weird time thing that, you know, like, you don't count on players spending the amount of time doing the things they do or side quests and things like that. And we obviously want to allow for those. So, um, should, how, how do you, like, how, how can you write a campaign that ends early? Like, like, how do you do it? Do you have to be really rigid? Like, not so open world? Do you have to put constraints on the DM for leveling? Um, you could always just say, if, if it's life that gets in the way, because that is a serious issue with D&D, um, you can kind of just chalk it up to that. Um... But, like, we, I know that we've cut campaigns short where it's just kind of like, it's no longer... So you're talking about the cut-off-the-head thing. So well, we've done that. Yeah, okay, yeah. 
So I, I was asking how we could make them actually have endpoints, and you're saying one way to make them have an endpoint is to just flat out kill them. Straight, no, honestly, like, okay. the, yeah, you, I wanted to make sure that was the first thing we were hopping into. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. ready for that yet, but got um, it. No, but like, you, you could seriously do that. If you if you didn't, as a DM, say my endpoint is around this time, mm -hmm. at some point you have to end it. So it's either going and on a high note. Saying okay, you guys saved the world, um, or like you know, <laughs> or didn't because or, or they didn't. Generally, they didn't save the world. Yeah, America, or you didn't. I right. mean, and that and the thing is with the King's campaign. Yeah, well, with the King's campaign, we we did end up like saving our people, and then all of a sudden we realized like at the very end we didn't. Like there was more to it, but but as players, we were ready to move to pumpkin spice. We were ready to move to lightlessness. Mm -hmm. You guys saved no one. Just here at the same page. You won a contest to become a king. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I saved myself. It was, it was good. Okay, um, but yeah, I mean, if if you if you didn't plan if you didn't pre-plan like an ending point, yeah, sometimes it just happened. Yeah, you just kill it. All right, read. Um, so Sam, <laughs> so, you know, you gotta work backwards, obviously. So like, with and then for pacing, you could always do like story arcs or something. You get a level. So, for the first while in Pumpkin Spice, I tallied the XP, and then if you guys needed it, I would, like, tweak it a little more to make sure that as you think are progressing, because the first, like, two adventures or three adventures maybe were basically story-written, and then it opened up. So, for that first couple of things, I was like, okay, this is going to happen, I know what should happen, and then that's going to get them this much XP, and I can pace it that way. Um, and then, if I need to, be like, oh, you guys did really well with role-playing. Blah, blah. Okay, and I will now interject and we'll get to part two for Sam, because if we're talking about level-wise progression, I will go ahead and plug Horizons, which does not use a <laughs> per-combat-based EXP thing, and therefore you can charge out per arc where you want your characters to be at what power level, mm -hmm. which is what Sam does artificially, you know. And that is probably the superior way of doing it because yeah. then you don't have to worry about, okay, you guys need to go into the woods and walk around in circles in the high grass until you hit. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I rewrite encounters. I have to go check the encounter difficulty sometimes when uh, you guys don't take an NPC that you're supposed to take or um, are at a different level than I thought you were going to be when you got to that thing. So it's interesting how that works. Just That's a random throw okay. out. Well, that's what I tried to... Calculate it so that way. Once I plan, I'm like, okay, this works. Like you guys are supposed to go to the cathedral, like, long time ago. <laughs> and I built like a whole, like half the dungeon for it, and then you guys didn't, so now I had to rebuild it, which is fine. Sorry, Sam. That's in there. We were supposed to be harder. It's just, yeah, it's gonna be harder now. <laughs> eventually, yeah. he'll make sure we get there eventually. Got a letter from the cathedral. We're scared. <laughs> um, Sam, did you want to talk about? Um, Horizons. When it comes to the <laughs> when, when it comes to the uh, story, get make sure that the story progresses to the point where it can be finished. Yeah, and that I'm gonna have a tough time, but like because the beginnings I like a lot, and then the middle is the hard part I think because mm -hmm. we have to figure Absolutely. out uh, to figure out like why and keep things going for why because if you don't if your characters don't know honestly like for King's campaign I kind of forgot why we were doing things. Yeah, that was the key. So, yeah. And, like, I know Matt had, like, some vision and something inscribed on his tunic, which I don't know. We might have even sold that to him. <laughs> <laughs> and we used to blind people. Like, remember how blind people? Yeah, I remember that. Session, yeah. And then it started wearing off, and it was just, like, like, it was, like, leather hide. I have 
Play me on that vibe. Right. Mm-hmm. So then I kind of, I guess we just lost our purpose. I'll tell you what. Um, yeah, I think I think that's that's a good point. The losing your purpose thing, and um, that's probably a good reason to cut off the head. Like, is everyone still invested in this? And I, you guys, as characters, weren't invested in the King's campaign. You're just like, eh. I think that a good way to pace yourself with that is the same way that like trilogies, like with books and mm-hmm. movies, do. The first arc or like the first like main part of your campaign, like in the first book in any series or first movie, it has a beginning, it has a middle, it has an end. Yeah. There's definite end to the first book in every series. Then always the middle one tends to have that. It's open ended for the third one. Like they tend to like dra- kind of drag it out. It's like the middle filler, and everyone says like for the most part for the second one, it's like the meh one. Mm-hmm. And, and except for Empire Strikes Back. Yes, <laughs> that is actually probably the only one that I would agree with. Um, and then at the very end, it's just this giant climactic. Like you've been you've been building this for especially one like the middle book, and then this giant like climax mm-hmm. for. For our sessions, if you say like with Nartura, it's tough because we say we know that's the that's the big baddie. Right. But we got to like level four before we got there, which was cool. Like we had our story. Then when you said like end of the book, Nartura's here. How are we gonna get it? Now we're in the second book, and it's kind of like okay, well, where do we go now? Like we got like this giant. It's this giant cavern we have to jump across to get to Nartura, and a level twenty Nartura is definitely a lot harder than to beat than a level ten Nartura in terms of like gap wise. Um, it's just like thoughts that I have with that kind of stuff. But if I were to build a, a D&D campaign, I had like an end person, I might personally cut it shorter because I'm not as good of a DM or so like I, I can't write that much story. This is the first, like before we've only gotten to maybe level 11. Yeah. Was our highest. And so like this is going to be a lot of uncharted territory. Mm-hmm. And um, talking about, uh, you know, the way that those stories are written, right? I was actually before he started saying that, thinking kind of the opposite. Because I really do like to start my stories off open-ended. And, like, I like to have, you know, the general concept right to build the world around. But I kind of like to leave the players to roam them a bit. And that's probably, if you want to go that direction, I think what you have to do is, before you hit book two, figure out what the characters are really interested about in the world and then write book two based on that thing and say, okay... Once you guys get to book two, this is all you're going to be focusing on. Like, so start out instead of you know having your kind of railroad opened up into an open world experience, right? Your starting area opened up into an open world experience. Start out with the open world, see what they cling on to, and then they'll be more enthusiastic to, you know, quote unquote, get railroaded onto a single idea, mm-hmm. and then use that as your end game, you know, and say, okay, so you guys are really interested about this. We'll make that the end game for the campaign. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. My, um, I'm always, like, experimenting with D&D. So I want to bring up Battle of the Gods, and I want to bring up the uh, new campaign I started writing. So Battle of the Gods, the experimentation there is um, complete railroading, except without having to worry about the characters caring. <laughs> like, <laughs> the players are the characters. The, the, the players are the characters. You know, it, it's both things. Mm-hmm. So the real question is, uh, so the Battle of the Gods, the idea is... You have no control. You have no choice. Mm-hmm. All you can—it's like Saw. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all, all you can do is survive or quit and die. Um, and uh, I think that that has its own novelness to it. Like that works out nice. But what Reed's talking about, I haven't really done a lot before the open-ended into purpose thing. But the newest campaign that I'm writing, uh, the whole entire purpose of that campaign is to DM a bunch of mini games with individual people first. 
And then C with DM'd minigames with each individual person. Uh, well, the campaign takes place inside a town this big. And you can walk to the end of the town in four hours. Like, these are all different places in the okay. town. So you can do everything in the town within four hours. And it should only take about three to four sessions per player. Like, for you know, like each of you, if I do this with you guys. Okay. To figure out exactly what you plan on doing with your lives. And then trying to figure out if the team can come together or if it just, like, goes off into other things. But, um, you know, like... I have such a hard time when it's a group having the open-ended railroad. This is like a long a long way to get to a group with an open-ended story all just chooses one person whose idea they want to follow is what I feel like ends up happening because it's so hard to bring people together, which is why I always railroad in the beginning because I say like, I got to make you guys care about this together or you won't be a party. You know what I mean? So this 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 is my new experiment. My new experiment is play D&D separately with a bunch of people to get their characters established instead of trying to sit with them and talk to them because I tried that with you guys and it was pretty difficult except Jeremy. Jeremy, like, that, that, that's why Morbus got such a big story, because Jeremy sat down with me, and he was like, huh, dragons, huh, gatekeeper, huh, how about this? And I was like, all right, write the campaign for me. Um, you know what I mean? Um, and Matt's stuff, I keep talking about, exists, but it's just like, how are we ever going to get to it? <laughs> but the thing is, I'm very much okay with that. Yeah, I'm not, that's cool. There has not been a point where, like, I got the horses and everything like that, and I felt like, yeah. and... Like I had, like I said, I met new friends, which is the whole point of me having this journey. So, mm-hmm. okay. So, with the mini game set up, do once we're finished, everybody playing through their mini game, the players who agree get to stop playing the mini game, and then we make the <laughs> other players that haven't keep agreed playing <laughs> keep on playing until they finally line up. We can. What, what works so nice about it is because like it's that. roll twenty. Um, I have just pages of every single place in the town. So I'm just going to move you to the page in the place with the encounters in that page in the place, and everyone's going to like get to experience new things. And like someone's going to go over, like depending on who's more free to play, someone's going to go over and find out, like, oh man, he already did take care of the rat of his city. That guy came by earlier. <laughs> He'd be the RP, the MMO. <laughs> I guess that's what I'm going for. Quest is done, bro. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's an MMO where like if you don't get there, it's gone. That's the scary MMO, man. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I, th- I think both of those things tie into this a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that, that was something else I want to talk to you guys about, just kind of figure out whenever we can play online D&D. Because that's a time thing I want to talk... That's my final final topic. Time. Go ahead. Did you want to talk about all of us being DMs and not just... Oh yeah, routine DM. Oh yeah, we're going to get to that too. Well... <laughs> I guess I'm gonna finish out now. We'll just we'll leave both of those for a second. For a third talk. part, yeah, for a third parter. This is gonna be a separate from this one. So I hope you enjoyed your double up tavern talk. We're gonna come back uh, at another time with the tavern talk on um, whether or not players should always be players and DM should always be a DM, or if it's everyone's job playing D and D to learn how to DM and everyone's job playing D and D to take a turn as a player. Because I think there's DMs out there who don't take a turn as a player. You know what I mean? Um, and then uh, I also want to talk about time. Like, does the amount of time that you play D and D matter? Do uh, some people pl- not play D&D for enough time? Because, like, that might be our case. And does that affect D&D? So, the website is pathlesspodcast.com. Is it pathlesspod.com? Yes, pathlesspod.com. Pathlesspodcast.com is owned by someone who redirects to a Verizon search page. Like, a weird Verizon ter- search page. So, don't go to pathlesspodcast.com. It's just not available. That's why we had to use pathlesspod.com. Um, but, yeah, just Google it. Find it on iTunes. Thank you for tuning in. Bye.